Hello and welcome to Silver Age Silver Screen, a podcast where we watch, discuss, and review film adaptations of comics, anime, video games, and other stereotypically geeky works. I'm your co-host, Casey Jarms. And I'm your other co-host, Riley Thorpe. And today, uh, we are not doing a review unlike last time. Today, we're doing a discussion. We're going to be discussing how we feel that Marvel Studios should introduce Fox properties into the MCU. Yes, characters such as the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, and Deadpool. How we think those characters should be introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe how to make it fit, how to make it work, and to make it good. Because that's what we want. We just want these properties to be done justice. Because it's no secret that the Fantastic Four have never had a good feature film adaptation. No, they've had four bad ones, which is kind of fitting. And half of the X-Men movies suck. And Deadpool, I feel like, is... I mean, he only has two films, so it's like he really hasn't had much opportunity to mess up yet. So, but still... Also, if we're being technical when it comes to Deadpool, Deadpool has had three films. Ryan Reynolds as Wade Wilson was in X-Men Origins Wolverine, where they took away the Merc with the Mouth's mouth and got Mm -hmm. rid of everything that made him Deadpool and why people liked him. Yeah, Fox is hit or miss when it comes to superhero yeah, movies. We're, but we're not here to talk about the, the shit from the past. We're here to talk about no. the hopes and dreams of the future. Yes, now that Disney is so much bigger <laughs> and more powerful because they balked 20th Century Fox, which right. I feel is probably a thing we should be worried about, but at least we're getting good superhero movies out of it, hopefully. Probably. Before we get into this, quick history lesson. In 1996, Marvel, which comic book publisher created all these big heroes, most of their big ones in the 60s, underwriters Stanley and artist Jack Kirby, like Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America, and of course, Spider-Man, X-Men, and the Fantastic Four. In 1996, Marvel went bankrupt. Unlike their chief competitor, DC Comics, who was at that point, and still to today, owned by Warner Brothers, Marvel didn't really have any experience in making films. So, to make money, keep them afloat, they decided to sell the film rights to a bunch of their popular characters in 1997. Fox got X-Men, Daredevil, and Nick Fury. They later uh, bought Fantastic Four from the studio Constantine, who Marvel had sold them to. Uh, Other studios also got Heroes. Universal got Hulk, Lionsgate got Black Widow, Sony got Spider-Man, and they still have him. Artisan got Captain America, New Line got Blade and Iron Man. But, of course, these characters for a while now have been in the hands of Marvel because how film rights work is if you don't make a film for a certain number of years, they go back to the rights holders. So basically, the only heroes outside of Marvel's grasp a year ago were X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man because their studios had kept making films. Anyway, in 2005, Marvel began making their own films produced by Kevin Feige, starting with Iron Man in 2008. In 2009, Marvel got bought by Disney. Ten years later, Disney bought Fox. Now, all Marvel characters except Spider-Man are owned by Disney and can be used in the MCU. And Marvel has a deal to use Spider-Man, kind of, it's complicated. But the point is, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool used to be owned by Fox. Now Fox is owned by Disney. Disney owns Marvel. So now they're back in Marvel and can appear in Avengers movies. 
Mm-hmm. And that's correct. And I'd like to add to that, Universal Studios also owned Namor, the Submariner, and they still do own the distribution rights to the Hulk films. That is why we have not yet seen a live-action Hulk film since 2008, is because Marvel would have to share the rights to it with another studio owned by Universal. A quick tangent. It's interesting that Namor was sold separately than the Fantastic Four, because he's originated in Fantastic Four, and I at least think of him as a Fantastic Four character. Correct. Actually, I'm scratch that. He's older than the Fantastic Four. Yeah, 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 you're right. But he's mostly appears alongside right. them nowadays. Yeah, he was like yeah. Golden Age. I'm actually pretty sure I've read that he was the first superhero who had the, have the combination of flight, invincibility, and super strength, because Superman originally could just jump high. Anyway, we're off topic. How I think, and we've discussed this, this should go is, because these are three very different questions. It isn't, how can you introduce Fox properties into the MCU? It's, how can you introduce these three very different works into the MCU that have been in the past right. adapted very differently? And so we're going to do one, then the other, then the third. I just realized putting Fox properties into the MCU, we mean Fox Marvel properties. We don't want, for example, the Xenomorphs or the Simpsons in the MCU, although that would be cool, maybe. I mean, in a multiverse of madness, you never know. <laughs> right, so how, we're, how this is going to go is we're going to spend the first, like, maybe 20 minutes or so, 15, 20 minutes, talking about how our thoughts on introducing the Fantastic Four into the Marvel Cinematic Universe then the next half hour about the X-Men, and then the last remaining time we have will be discussing introducing Deadpool into the MCU. And Fantastic Four, unlike X-Men, Fox's other main Marvel property they had, Fantastic Four hasn't had a great run under Fox's management. I Not mean, I mean, X-Men has been hit or miss, but they have had hits, and Fox Fantastic Four movies weren't Great. I mean, there was one in the 90s made to retain the rights that had no budget and just was cheesy. Even the filmmaker didn't like it. Oh, no, they didn't release it because they knew that if they released it, it would make people think the Fantastic Four were cheesy because it was so cheesy. Then there were two in the early 2000s, which were okay, I guess, but not great, I don't think there's anyone who likes them. They aren't offensive enough to hate, like some superhero movies. Like, they're just there. And then in 2015, there was Fan Force Stick, which, oh boy, was bad. Yeah, let's just jump right into it. How do we think that the Marvel Cinematic Universe should introduce the Fantastic Four? When Marvel Studios introduces the Fantastic Four, the number one thing on my list is just get the characters right. Because the reason that the Fantastic Four and other Marvel characters of the era were popular and still are popular is because they're very strong, very relatable characters. You need to have the characters work. You need to get good actors to play them and good writers who understand the characters and want to do them right. And the past Fantastic Four movies have been hit or miss on the characters. Especially in the case of Doctor Doom, who 
with the exception of the cheesy 90s one, has always been poorly, poorly adapted. It's actually very fitting, considering last time we discussed the 2017 Death Note movie and our distaste with their adaptation of Light Yagami with trying to tone down his over-the-top, hammy, arrogant character and just making someone less interesting. I think number one thing we need on the Fantastic Four movie, either A, don't feature Doctor Doom, or B, get him right. He's not a hard character to get right. Just have him be over-the-top arrogant and able to back it up. Yeah, honestly, I feel like the Fantastic Four are actually very easy to introduce into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Tonally speaking, like, they would just yeah. fit right in. You know, it's just, uh, to me, really, it's just, a, it, what it is, is it's a question of how they're going to do it. Are they going to do, say, how they introduced Doctor Strange? It's like, oh, this is just his origin at this point in the timeline. Like, they're just going to create the Fantastic Four from this uh, at this point in time? Or are they going to do, say, what they did with, like, Spider-Man and Black Panther? It's like, these characters have been around for a while. We just didn't see them. Now we're going back to see where they've been this whole time. The same thing they're going to do with the upcoming Eternals film, which is something I'm going to bring up a bit later. But I think that in terms of story Really, you can pretty much just introduce the Fantastic Four how they are and just like just plop them right in the middle of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they're they work. They're pretty good. They're pretty easy to fit into the mm-hmm. into all that. Uh speaking of the have them already exist or have them be new, I kinda like the idea of having them be newly new heroes, like have it be an origin. And here's how Mm -hmm. I would do it, because the Fantastic Four, they aren't just superheroes. In fact, maybe even more than that is integral to their character, the fact that they are scientists and explorers. And their backstory involves, like, space exploration gone wrong, giving them superpowers, and some of their main adversaries are aliens. Well, look at what the world is like in the MCU right now. Uh, It's been visited by aliens a dozen times. There have been three major invasions, including one that killed more than three billion people. I feel like that's a good place to have Earth people being really interested in space travel and becoming part of this universe. And that's like what sets off the Fantastic Four setting out, you know? Marvel is cosmic now, so have them be interested in cosmic marvel right and i honestly i i love how you said that because that is in my opinion that's exactly what fox never got right about the fantastic four like the the fantastic four the their whole story is they are cosmic characters they are exploring space they're hopping through multiple dimensions it's like they are like crazy experimental sci-fi in that in terms of that but Fox has never been willing to go all the way with their properties. Even 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 the even the X-Men films. It's like they always tried to ground them as yeah. much as possible. And that works for the X-Men. But when you take away when you when you f- say we're going to make the Fantastic 4, but they're going to stay on Earth, what what what, what yeah. there's no story there. 
there's nothing you can do with the characters because all the source material is them in space, uh, fighting aliens, exploring new dimensions, all that. And it's just, they've taken all that out. And yes, I understand that in Fan4Stick, they did go to a different dimension, but... But it was like a BBC quarry dimension. It was boring. I want bright, colorful Thor Ragnarok X Jack Kirby planets. Right, exactly. Honestly, the Fantastic Four are, visually speaking, more so like Thor Ragnarok. Tonally speaking, they're like a mix of Guardians of the Galaxy and Iron Man. That's what they should be, and Fox was never willing to go all the way with that, so they just have been completely misrepresenting these characters. That's what's wrong. Been what, that's what's the problem with these Fantastic Four movies up until this point. I have faith that Marvel, or now that it's in the hands of... Disney Marvel, they know how to properly handle these characters, and they're willing to be as experimental as possible and treat these characters with the respect that they deserve. And they're going to do it right. That I have faith. For instance, an example of what we're talking about, Fox just grounding the Fantastic Four when they're supposed to be these really out there characters is one of the main Fantastic Four villains is Galactus, who's this ancient giant being who is very comic booky in design who goes from planet to planet eating planets and in the second uh, fantastic four movie starring like uh, michael chicklins and jessica alba they had galactus be like a space cloud okay and Doctor Doom be like a businessman instead of the king of his own country and a cyborg sorcerer who wants to kill Mr. Fantastic over a minor thing that happened when they were in college, who talks in third person and shouts every line? How do you mess up Doom? Doom is the greatest character. <laughs> but I, I, will, I will give this. I will give credit to Fox this. In that film, while he's a cloud, at one point there's like this fire or light or whatever, and it's in the shape yeah, of guess. Galactus's helmet. You got to give him credit for at least doing it. No, don't give him credit. I'm joking. Don't do not give them credit. That was so shitty. Fox has never been willing to go all the way with it, and Marvel will know how to treat them. They'll know what to do with them. As I said, tonally speaking, they're more along the lines of like Iron Man meets the Guardians of the Galaxy. That fits very well into the previously pre-established Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what with the future of it, the rumor, or the big rumor of what the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to be is it's going to be exploring alternate dimensions, predominantly with uh, the next uh, Doctor Strange film, uh, The Multiverse of Madness. He's going to actively be exploring the multiverse and... That opens up so many different possibilities for the cinematic universe as a whole. What with that interdimensional travel element already being introduced? I mean, the Fantastic Four is very easy. I like your idea of introducing them just as brand new characters. One idea that has been thrown out is director Peyton Reed, who has directed the uh, Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. He has been expressed interest, being the one to direct the Fantastic Four film because he was originally up in the air to... He was approached to direct the two Fantastic Four films in the mid-2000s. I don't know if you knew that, but he was originally in talks. He was... Uh, it didn't go to him. Obviously, it went to Tim Story, the guy who directed the Kevin Hart Ice Cube action comedy films, Ride Along and Ride Along 2. Oh, I didn't know he directed that. 
Yeah, that fits. Peyton Reed was initially approached to do it. It didn't go through, obviously, but now that he's with the MCU and he has expressed interest in making the Fantastic Four film, I believe the pitch his idea was, because he's pitched an idea to Marvel and how to make it work, he originally, he wanted it to be set in the 60s. Like, silver, like, origins of the Fantastic Four, and it's like, that's how they begin, and where have they been for, like, the last 50, 60 years? Oh, they've been time traveling, traveling through different dimensions, and traveling through space, and time, when they get introduced to the rest of the cinematic universe is they come out of, they're like, oh yeah, we're going back home. Oh my god, 60 years have passed. There's a giant alien that wiped out half of all living creatures? What? <laughs> there was a giant robot? What is happening? That would be fitting for a Peyton Reed film, like, because in his adaptation of Ant-Man, all the other heroes are, like, getting their starts in early 2010s, 2008 being when Iron Man starts, uh, but he had Ant-Man and the Wasp have been a thing in the 70s, except now be retired. It's in character for him as a director, and I don't mind that idea. I don't mind the idea, but my problem with it is I really don't, I don't like Peyton Reed as a director. Not to say that he's bad at his job, it's just the Ant-Man films are some of my least favorite in the entire MCU. Not that I think that they're bad per se, it's just I've seen the films and I'm just like not at all impressed by them. And I just don't think that, I think that the Fantastic Four have the potential to be so much, provide so much greatness and provide such a new and interesting angle to the cinematic universe. And that being directed by the guy who made two mediocre Ant-Man films, that just, I don't know about you, that just, to me personally, that doesn't sound appealing to me. Nothing against, and nothing against the guy. I'm sure he's really nice. And him going out of his way, or going to Marvel and pitching this idea, this very interesting idea, this interesting take on the Fantastic Four, it does show that he has passion for adapting these characters. It's just, if I were to want this movie to happen i would not want the guy who directed the ant-man movies behind it you know that's just me i'm fine i that'd be very interesting having it be through adapting it to like the 60s or in a different time period or just introducing them into the regular to the regular timeline just today they're like you said they're brand new people new characters just bring introduced their we see their origin although we've kind of seen their origin already in most of those films those shitty films either way whatever they decide the fantastic four they are very easy to introduce into the mcu tonally in terms of what their characters are about their story they're ve- they fit very well into the mcu as of right now I don't know, do you have anything else to say before we talk about who we'd like to see play these characters? Nope, I don't. I think we've hit the nail on the head. Fantastic Four will be fairly easy to introduce, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, whatever they do, it can pretty much work. And we have, I have faith that Marvel knows what they're doing, unlike what Fox did. Do you have any ideas on who you'd like to see play Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, and Ben Grimm, and Victor Von Doom? You're much more knowledgeable about actors than okay, me, all right. to be fair. Uh, right, that's fine. Yeah. The only name that comes to mind is I want Michael Chicklins as Ben Grimm, even though he already did it, because he was the best part of that. And also Tammy, over-the-top comedy actor to play Dr. Doom. Like, uh, John Hamm is kind of coming to mind for me. 
here are my thoughts. Uh, the big names that have been going around since, like, for the past few years now, really the two main ones are who's going to play Reed Richards and Sue Storm, and that is John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Hmm. They, yes, they're a married couple. They did A Quiet Place together. Re- in recent years, Jim from The Office, for those of you who don't know, he has proven himself over the last... After The Office ended, he has successfully proven himself as being a very capable action star, action actor, filmmaker, and... When I first heard that, I kind of... I, 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 I'll be honest, I was a little hesitant to that. I, I didn't like the Jim way it sounded, but now that I... The Office? Yeah, Is as he Mr. going Fantastic. to defeat uh, Galactus by putting a stapler in Jello? But no, he, like, does he that. Could. He could. But no, he does like that one Jack Ryan CAA show, which I haven't watched and I've heard isn't great. Yes, but it's an does. action thing. So it's more than Jim from The Office. Right. And he did do, he was in a Michael Bay movie that I heard was decent called 13 Hours. Oh, right. She is obviously like a very capable oh, action yeah, Emily star. Blunt is great. She was, in, she was in Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat whatever name it has right at this moment but she was great and i will i'll be honest at first i wasn't too keen on them playing those roles but over the years i have thought about it a lot and i do think it can absolutely work if they do cast those two i think it would definitely work in terms of ulterior alternative casting for them I don't know. Come, what comes to mind uh, in terms to play Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic, is um, a guy by the name of Dylan McDermott. He was in a handful of the seasons of American Horror Story, and I'm a big fan of that show. And he had a lot of range in terms of the characters he played. He had a lot of range in that. So, I mean, A, he looks the part. He looks like he could be Reed Richards. I would believe him as a character like that. And... I think he has the acting chops to pull it off. One person, one actor, I think could absolutely play uh, Sue Storm is Rosamund Pike. She was in uh, most, uh, what comes to mind just off the top of my head is Gone Girl. Because one thing that I've always found fascinating about Sue Storm is just one like small thing that I'm sure only happened like a couple times in the comics. But how she has the ability to create a force field inside someone's skull and expand it to the point where their head explodes. Oh yeah, Sue Storm is legitimately insanely deadly. Uh, Yeah, don't mess with Sue Storm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, just think of how badass that is. (laughs) Just how, how badass that can be. Like, just the, um, the... Imagine having the mind to... Think of that. To be a wife, a mother, um, just this person who cares so much about her family and her the, cares so much about people. She's a superhero. She devotes her life to protecting people. But imagine being that person with so much love and having the thought, not, not just the thought to do something like that to someone, but actually going through with it. That is badass. And I think Rose, after Roseman Pike's performance in Gone Girl, she can play that lo- like loving, caring, at- sort of wife, sister, mother type character, while also playing that deep down she's like psychotic 
if that makes sense. I don't mean that as a derogatory thing. Like, I legitimately, I mean that as a compliment. I think she could absolutely pull off something like that, a character like that. Okay. Just a character, a character who, at the drop of a hat, if she needs to, she's willing to do whatever it takes to protect the people she loved. And it's, I don't know, I think that that is a part of the character I've always thought is fascinating. And I think, and I do think Emily Blunt and Rosamund Pike both could successfully portray that aspect of the character. In terms of who would play uh, the Human Torch, uh, I've heard some people throw out, uh, what's his name, that uh, this guy, Derek Montgomery. He was in the second and third seasons of Stranger Things. He was the redhead's older brother. Oh, oh. Uh, the bully. Yeah, Bill, he plays Billy. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yes, Billy. People threw that name. I, I think my only problem with that is, I don't know much about this guy, but to me, he just, from what I've seen... I would prefer Human Torch, the actor, to be, like, more comedic. Not over the top, but, like, Johnny Storm in, 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 Johnny Storm in general is a very, like, lighthearted, silly, or not silly, but, snarky. like... Snarky. He's, like... He, he's snarky, yeah, like, yes. And I just, I don't know. When I think of that, when I think of that, a character like that, I don't think of him, that Billy from Stranger Things. I think more uh, Zac Efron. Oh. And, yeah. I know, like, I know, High School Musical, but <laughs> I honestly think someone, because he's, 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 phys- he's in shape to play a superhero already. He's a good-looking guy. He's very funny and charming. And I just think, and he's mainstream enough to the point where I think, I just, I think Zac Efron could do a great job as the Human Torch. So that's my pick, okay. personally. In terms of the thing, I don't know. Michael Chiklis did do a great job as the thing in uh, the films uh, in the mid two thousands. Uh, he did a great job. Honestly, every every actor I think of, I'm like, no, I don't think they'd do that. Uh, what about this? What about Ron Perlman? That would work. Uh, well, hold on. Big thing is thing gonna be. Would you like it to be practical effects or CG? Because that is a big thing on like who can play the character. Like, because if it's practical effects you do need like a bigger tougher dude uh but yeah ron perlman would work uh he has experience playing i mean uh hellboy like is kind of comparable in personality to the thing and was uh prosthetics that would work i don't know i mean in general when you think of the ben Grimm as a person like in general he's he's a big guy like he's a brawler Mm mm-hmm even before, even without the mutation, the rock, the rock body he's got, like even before that, he's a big guy. So, and I don't know. I think uh, in terms of practical versus CG, I'd honestly be fine with either, as long as it's able to work and it doesn't look like shit. <laughs> Marvel Studios does have it down. Like Josh Brolin was very good at getting motion across this. Thanos with right. their amazing special effects. Although, to be fair, the thing is a right. bit less human in facial expressions. Ron Perlman would be mine. That'd be fun. What about Kurt Russell for uh, the thing? You know, because he he's a great actor for the thing. That'd be good too. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, or Wilford Brimley, or Keith David. Honestly, all you need is like a just a. A bigger guy with a deep voice. That's really all you need. I'd be fine with all of these. 
I'd really like to see Kurt Russell do it, though. I'm a, I'm a fan of Kurt Russell. <laughs> and, <laughs> I like his movies. Okay, it's important to me that you know that that was a joke about the fact that he was in a movie called The Thing. I know, okay. I know. But honestly, I can kind of picture Kurt Russell. <laughs> his son, Wyatt, is already going to be in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh. He's going to play a U.S. agent. Oh, right. They're introducing U.S. agent who's... A fun character because he's knockoff Captain America and that'll be good in a show about Captain America's legacy. Yeah, yeah. And Kurt Russell's son is going to play. That's cool. Uh, I've never seen anything with Kurt Russell Jr., but Kurt Russell was good. Classic 80s hero. And if his son's inherited that, he'll be a good U.S. agent. Yeah, uh, his son was in uh, 22 Jump Street. Oh, I've seen that movie. Who'd he play? Yeah, he played the Channing Tatum's friend, uh, the guy, the red herring guy. The guy with the tattoo? Oh, right, right. That guy. Yeah, that's him. He inherited inherited the 80s hair. Yeah. So, I mean, even though, I mean, I know know we're just joking. Kurt Russell, he already played Ego in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Star-Lord's dad, he already played that, but I can kind of see him playing the thing, too. But honestly, you threw out a bunch of good suggestions. Yeah, yeah, Wilford Brimley, Keith David, all those. I think they'd work, but yeah. So any of them would really work. In terms of Doctor Doom, there's been a lot of names thrown out. I mean, Doctor Doom is probably my favorite supervillain of all time. He is. I know he's really over the top and he's very like Silver Age comics and he can be campy, but like he, I think he's just such an interesting villain and a character. So in terms of who could play him, there's been a lot of names that have been thrown out. One uh, that I've heard thrown Um, out that I actually kind of like is... Uh, Christoph Waltz, because he's very good at playing evil German dudes who are very hammy. That works. I I totally see that. Yeah, that's a name that was thrown out. Um, in terms of other names, some people have thrown out uh, Michael Fassbender, oh, who right. most recently played. He played Magneto in the uh, latest X-Men films. Okay, I could see that. Um yeah, I think he'd be good. My only thing with that is he's very handsome and charming, and he, I think he could play that over-the-top character very well. He just... My only problem with that is I, he just got off playing... Got done playing a Marvel villain for the last almost decade, and I don't know if he'd be so willing to jump right into the next Marvel villain for the next decade. Fair enough. Added to the, fa- added to the fact that there, the rumor is... He is going to play the reverse Flash in the upcoming Flashpoint film. Oh, I would like that. I that he'd be a good reverse Flash. Right. He might be a little preoccupied with that. Um, another name I heard that I feel like I feel like for the I like, but I don't think he would for the exact same reasons as Hugh Jackman. Oh, I heard some people say his name. I I mean Hugh Jackman. Sure, he's a good actor, but no, that I. Give him a break from superhero movies. He's done his work. Yeah, I think he could absolutely play the character, but I he could bring the charisma and the energy, but I don't think he's the right pick for Doctor Doom. Yeah, I, I don't think. I've just heard people say his name. No. His name has come up. But one name that has come up a lot that I've heard um, is a man by the name of Nicola Coster-Waldau. He played Jamie Lannister in... Um, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. He is... He's about the right age. Uh, he's... 
very he can I think he could play he can play that cunning ends justify the means type character. I mean, this and again spoilers for Game of Thrones. It the very f- end of the first episode of the first season. So if you're not gonna watch if, if if this is a spoiler to you, like you weren't ever gonna watch the show. But the very first episode, he throws an eight year old boy out of a four story tower. <laughs> Seriously. I've never... Oh, God. I gotta watch Game of Thrones. That sounds hilarious. So, Nikolai Koster-Waldau is a name that has come up. But, honestly, I've thought about this a lot. And I this is a, this is a name I have not heard anywhere, but I think that this is perfect in terms of who could play Doctor Doom. And it's an actor, an English actor, by the name of Charles Dance. He played Tywin Lannister, Jamie Lannister's father. He was also in Dracula Untold. He was in the most recent Godzilla film. He was in The Imitation Game and probably a lot of other stuff. His portrayal of Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones is textbook Doctor Doom. He is genius intelligence. He is very, very, very prideful, very, very short-tempered, very, very cunning, very... Uh, ends justify the means. He he walks into a room and he just com- he towers over everybody. He's like six foot three. He towers over everybody and he just commands respect. And he just played that character so incredibly well. And he that character is such a good at like I could totally see him doing an incredibly successful Doctor Doom. The one singular problem and it's not even a problem it's it's something you'd have to get around the one issue is his age he is 72 i believe make him always wear a helmet i guess i mean dr doom in the comics you see dr doom is supposed to be the same age as reed richards mr fantastic so like 40 uh they were at yeah yeah well they were college buddies or not they were college ri- rivals academically in college so they're about to be the same age. And if John Krasinski, he's about what? He's like late 30s, early 40s, something like that. But having Dr. Doom be so much older, that kind of presents a problem. But that's easy to get around. He, maybe they weren't like rivals in school. Maybe like they were professional colleagues and Reed embarrassed him. Maybe all the stress from like accidentally burning his face off really just aged the crap out of Doom. I mean, honestly... Him being of an older age, honestly, that that's the only thing. And that's an easy get around when it comes to Doctor Doom. You just maybe make him professional enemies or maybe he was his teacher in college and he got him, got disgraced him and all that or I don't know. But I don't know. I think Charles Dance is a perfect Doctor Doom. So those are my thoughts on how I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe should introduce the Fantastic Four, and who I think should play them. Let's move on to the X-Men, right. <laughs> which are going to be a lot harder. Just A, because there's baggage from the fans who are attached to the X-Men films that have already come out. Like, I, there is no one who will care about recasting the people from the Fan Four stick, but I feel like you would... Fit, face some trouble in recasting Wolverine as someone other than Hugh Jackman. Right, right. But 
casting aside, the biggest problem I feel with getting the X-Men into the MCU is X-Men are supposed to have been around for a while. Well, mutants are supposed to have been around for a yep. very long time. Oh, yeah. Since Agent Ancient Egypt, Magneto's backstory is him being a Holocaust victim. Right. So we need to explain. Right. So uh, there's uh, millions of people with superpowers, some of them stronger than Thanos, if we're being comic accurate, who oh, yeah. I just uh, haven't done anything yet. Right. And I've heard a lot of speculation on how to not have the mutants already existed, but rather introduce them. Right. Like, one and idea I've seen flowing around is uh, all the snapping on Earth, like, did it. One idea I've heard is the Eternals do it, which would turn to the new Eternals movie. Right. Uh, one idea I've heard is uh, through Multiverse of Madness, the new Doctor Strange. But I think there are two good ways to uh, have them introduced and explain why there haven't been mutants before. Mm -hmm. The first one, uh, and the one that is my the one I personally have my money on, uh, would be to do sort of a reverse House of M. Like, uh, for those who don't know, House of M is a storyline in Marvel Comics where Scarlet Witch kind of went a little insane and used her powers to rewrite reality, and it caused a bunch of changes. And one of them is she took the powers away from a bunch of mutants. Well, the thing is, Scarlet Witch exists in the MCU, not as a mutant, admittedly, but she exists as a character. So I've heard a lot of people say, hey, we should have a Scarlet Witch at the end of her TV show, WandaVision, which seems to be partially adapting House of M. You should have her just create a bunch of mutants so she isn't alone. And because it's rewriting reality, they would have the history, like Magneto would have become someone who had always had powers. Yeah, I think that that's um, a very, definitely a very fascinating idea. I It sound, it seems kind of cheap though, because it's just like, it just seems like, oh, the tail end of a TV show on Disney Plus is going to dictate what happens to the entire cinematic universe as a whole. It just kind of seems like, I don't know, it just, the X-Men would have to be introduced by something bigger than that you know something more impactful i i like the theory yeah. i do but it's just i i don't know i don't i don't know if that totally works for me and yeah there is another idea and this like reverse house of m that's a big idea i've only heard this one place uh it was suggested by a guy named zachary myers on the website cora and i saw it while i was researching for this and i love this idea when there's the first X-Men movie, they reveal that the X-Men have existed all along and have shown up in major moments. But Professor X tried to hide the X-Men because they're persecuted by just erasing all the memories of them from everyone's minds. Mm -hmm. And that's a very interesting idea. It is a very interesting idea. That'd be very complicated to pull off. But it would be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they'll do it. I just want right. to shout that out because it's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are some interesting theories. Like I said, it's very tricky to bring, to introduce the X-Men because the X-Men, and I love the I love them as characters and as a team. I love their inclusion. But 
fundamentally, they don't make sense in terms of, not just in, not in the movies, this is in the comics. They don't make sense in terms of their relations to the other superheroes of the, of the universe. The whole thing about, me, about the X-Men is they're mutants. They're people born with superpowers, and they are persecuted for having such. And, but it's like, well, you have Spider-Man. He's, apart from the Daily Bugle, one of the most beloved superheroes in the entire planet, well, he has superpowers. Why don't you guys hate him? And it's just like, and there's the Fantastic Four, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Avengers, all that, all these people. And it's just, it just seems like in terms of people just decide they hate the X-Men and they don't hate the rest of the other Marvel characters. And so you also have to, you also have and to find a way to explain to that too. So, and you have to introduce this whole persecution angle to it and you have to find you have to introduce the idea that of an, a, a reason why they hate why people hate mutants but like the other superheroes and uh, you can continue on with what you're going to say but I'm just going to say my theory of how they're going to introduce the X-Men into the MCU answers that question you aren't wrong I have heard other people say before well yeah but X-Men are a racism metaphor and racism is often contradictory and doesn't make sense and i mean sure but it is kind of odd you are right it does kind of work better when they're the only superheroes because that way you don't have to deal with those questions and that is part of the reason why the x-men a lot of the time in the comics are treated as their own thing right exactly and don't get me wrong like i said i love the x-men and i love their inclusion in the greater marvel universe it's just in terms of their story they don't quite make sense in terms of as i've already explained but so here's my answer here's my theory on how they should answer uh how they should introduce the marvel cinema or the x-men into the mcu so and I believe you touched upon it earlier. Um, uh, the up, uh, there's an upcoming film, uh, Marvel film in the MCU called The Eternals. And in the rumor is that, or uh, not, it's not even a rumor. It, it on leak uh, photos that they've leaked out. There are characters called the Celestials in there who are essentially a race of super hyper evolved immortal beings who created human life. Just to to have something to do and as a sick joke in the con and this is in the comics as a sick joke they introduced uh, a a a, splay, a a sequence of dna that after billions hundreds of millions billions of years down into these species human species evolution they there would some of these humans would have mutations and how they would basically find this to play the sick game of finding amusement out of people seeing how the people would react to these mutants popping up that's why and yes you're right mutants have been all throughout history but in modern day they've become so much more so much more common because that gene is popping up in more people and that's why the x-men are a thing that's why mutants are a thing well what with the mcu introducing the celestials they have an opportunity to introduced the idea that millions of years ago, billions of years ago, they created human life and they introduced that gene and let that be 
nowadays in the films, just continue making the films how they're doing it, but introduce new side characters that are X-Men characters. Like, there's a rumor uh, Storm is going to be in the next Black Panther film. Uh, there, there was a rumor and that Rogue is... in. They're talking about Rogue being introduced in Captain Marvel 2. There was... There was a rumor that um, in terms of what Marvel's plans for Spider-Man was, is they were going to make the current trilogy to be about high school. The second trilogy, they were going to make nine total solo Spider-Man films. Uh, the first trilogy was going to be high school. Second trilogy was going to be college. Third trilogy was going to be adulthood. And after adulthood, they'd probably kill him off and introduce <laughs> Miles Morales. No, I just I just like the idea of them say them going to Tom Holland and say, "Okay, you're going to make 9 movies over the next 20 years and then we will kill you off. We have it written down right here. 2035, we kill your character you've played for the last 20 years off. Okay, dude, it's the plan." Uh, okay, sir. Right. Yeah. The the rumor I heard, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's definitely a funny thought. But the rumor I heard that was leaked from Marvel Studios directly is that the college trilogy is going to introduce a couple new characters. Now, I believe you and I have talked about this, Casey. Are you familiar with the show Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends? Yeah, we, yeah, it, it's a 60s cartoon with Spider-Man, Iceman, and a character that created for the show called Firestar. Because they couldn't get use Human Torch. I believe it was in, in the 80s. Oh god, it was? It did not look like it was in the 80s. The animation was just as bad as it was in the <laughs> 60s. What are right. you doing? I thought it was a direct sequel to the crappy 60s show. Nope, nope. It was its own thing in the 80s. But I, I remember watching that as a kid and loving it. Iceman, in the next Spider-Man trilogy, they're going to introduce Iceman. And Iceman is one of the X-Men. So introduce him through that. So that what I'm saying is you, you introduce the idea that the Celestials created the mutant gene millions of years ago. And just out of, for no rhyme or reason, whatever, all these new super-powered characters just start popping up. Have Storm is just, she's just there. She, it's not explained how she got her powers. She just has powers. There's Storm in Black Panther 2. Captain Marvel 2 has Rogue, introduce Iceman, and just start every once in a while just introducing a new character from the X-Men team. And eventually you introduce Charles Xavier, who's bringing them all together. By the sound, by the looks of it, Nick Fury is in space dealing with Captain Marvel's story. She's in Sword, he's the leader of Sword in space with the Skrulls and stuff like that. Well, now that Nick Fury is uh, not here, why doesn't Charles Xavier become the new Nick Fury archetype of how Nick Fury has been tre been acting in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe up to this point? Like, Nick Fury will come up and he basically brings brought the Avengers together and he just pops up periodically to do so. Well, why can't we just do that with Charles Xavier now? That is actually a really good idea. I like that idea. What I'm saying is, for the first X-Men film, what I think they should do, and this was an issue that was brought up some time ago, the idea of changing the name from X-Men to be something more gender-inclusive. Oh, God, I don't well, care about that. Well, here, here's what I think. I think they should name it X-Factor, not X-Men, X-Factor, because 
that is that is an X-Men team. X-Factor is a different thing, but I mean, that hasn't stopped Marvel Universe before. When X-Factor started, it was the OG team. They had said, screw you, Charles Xavier, we're going to do our own thing. And it was like the OG team. Nowadays, they're a completely different team. But my point is, I think that they should introduce, just call them like X-Factor and to, yes, make it more gender inclusive but also to differentiate themselves from the previous stuff. Like, this is this is something new. This is a new take on the mutants, on the X-Men characters. We're going to be calling them X-Factor now. This is the MCU's version okay. of that. And, and it continues. And yeah. that works, because if you call it X-Factor, uh, you already know who you're going to have for Professor X. Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, and the theory continues... This, honestly, is my favorite part of the theory. Not trying to hype it up, but... Okay, so what with all these... just That's how mutants start popping up everywhere. There's just... I don't know where... There's hundreds, there's thousands, there's tens of thousands of people just waking up one day with these superpowers. Because it was already established that millions of years ago, the Celestials put that strand of DNA into early human beings DNA ancestors like they introduced that and just right now mutants are popping up just conveniently right now they're just popping up as a thing and sure there's been there's probably been a few here and there that we just haven't heard about like Apocalypse Mr. Sinister uh, Magneto they've been there we just haven't heard about them but nowadays they're popping up so much more and in the wake of the snap and five years of all of our loved ones being dead and then the blip where everybody came back and it was all dissociated and everybody's crazy or like it just there's the world is in a state of chaos complete and utter chaos and when people when there is chaos and when there is trauma people start to fear and when people start to fear they start to hate and who are they going to hate all these new people with superpowers, they're unregistered, un- undocumented, all that. It's like they, they start to mistrust the people with superpowers apart from the people who saved their lives in the events of Endgame and Infinity War. And basically, all the Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, all them... They're cool. They're cool. You're one of the good ones. They trust them because they've proven their themselves. But all these new people, these mutants, all these new people with superpowers that are just popping up, we don't know them. We don't trust them. And a bunch of them do evil. A bunch of them commit crimes with their powers. And they hurt people. So as time goes on, people are afraid. The world isn't trying to get a semblance of what it was before the snap. And knowing that there are giant aliens that have the power to kill us all out there coming for us. And they have... Like, that's the state the world is in. People start to hate the mutants while they still trust the Avengers and all the people that we've seen thus far. And this is where the and this is this is where it gets good. The Sokovia Accords are still a thing, but over time, corrupt politicians and all this fear mongering, the Sokovia Accords eventually transition into the Mutant Registration Act. That's good. That's tying X Men in. That's something that honestly like racism be becoming more strong in times of crisis is a very real right thing in real life and yeah. uh 
the best yeah, part yeah. of and that it, 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 it explains yeah it's something different while still true to the spirit of the x-men right exactly like yeah my number one thing i don't want them to do with the new x-men movies i don't want them to readapt the dark phoenix storyline or in general i right. just want them to at least for a while leave the fox x-men covered stuff alone like i don't want the rivalry right. between magneto and charles xavier Patrick Stewart and Ian McKenna did it probably better than the MCU could. And then they fucks it again with Fazbender and McAvoy. Like, let things rest. Don't recast Wolverine. Just do something new that still has the feel. Yeah, and honestly, like, I think if they ever, if they make X-Factor or X-Men or whatever they're going to do, what they should do is have Charles Xavier be going around talking to these new mute these mutants these people to recruiting them for a team in the same way that Nick Fury introduced or did to the Avengers and he recruits Storm, Rogue, Iceman and basically when they make an X Factor film the film introduces Scott Summers, Cyclops, and Jean Grey, Marvel Girl. Like they're the new characters. Those two are the new characters that this film is introducing. Meanwhile, it's already established all the rest of the X-Men, and it's bringing them together in this one film. And that's that's the MCU's X-Men. Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Iceman, Storm, and Rogue. Honestly, that sounds like a pretty solid X-Men team to me. I don't know about you, but that'd yeah, be... But, but where Hugh Jackman? He's not here. He's retired with his millions that he made off all those X-Men films. But honestly, yeah, it explains that theory. It explains why why Marvel, why mutants are just popping up now, why people don't like them, why people still like the rest of the X-Men or the other superheroes and not them. And it, it, it's a very, yeah, it's a very interesting take. And it, 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 it continues the idea that the Sokovia Accords didn't just go away, like, they're still around. We just forgot about them because a big purple dude killed everyone. And then now that everything's kind of back, at least in order, everybody's back. Every, now that everybody's back, like that transitions more so into in, into the uh, Mutant Registration Act. So that's where the government persecution comes in. And it just, it explains so much and it fits very well. And the two theories you brought up, uh, those are good. And I don't know. Just I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I think that this is by far the most the I most like logical yours way. Too. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. Not try to pat myself on the back. I'm very humble. In case you didn't know, that's pretty much all I wanted to say. Like you said, I agree with you. I think that they should lay to rest. They probably shouldn't do Magneto and Wolverine. At least not for a while. Yeah, I love Wolverine. I love Magneto, but honestly, my two favorite X Men not including Wolverine, are Storm and Nightcrawler. So give them a shot. <laughs> yeah, Nightcrawler's the best. Yeah, I love Why that isn't guy. he the main character? He's cool. He could be the main character. He could. Yeah, yeah. That pretty much sums up my thoughts on uh, the, the X-Men introducing into the MCU. It's very difficult, but I believe I found a way. Although, there is one mutant that's a whole nother story when it comes to introducing, and that's Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Yes. Let's talk about him. Deadpool is easy to introduce into the MCU, maybe, because Deadpool breaks the fourth wall a lot. You could honestly just have Deadpool 3 be part of the MCU now and have Deadpool just, as it happens, look around and say, I'm in a new continuity and nothing else. 
Or alternatively, <laughs> the past two Deadpool films have both had time travel related plots. Well, I mean, first one was caused by time travel, but they've had time travel and jokes about Deadpool's own complicated continuity. Deadpool, just have him mention the new continuity and you're solid. There is admittedly one thing that makes me cautious in introducing Deadpool, and that's Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool has been an R-rated character, and no MCU's f- movies so far have been R-rated. Uh, Blackwell was supposed to be R-rated, but they made PG-13 last myth. I'm not sure how well he'll do in a in a like semi-censored film i've actually heard other people say that the movie once upon a deadpool like the pg-13 edit of deadpool 2 was an attempt to make pg-13 deadpool and that film got mixed reviews i heard it sucked yeah yeah honestly i love deadpool and i really like his films but and i've i've given this a lot of thought and this might be a this is probably this is a hot take I don't think Deadpool should be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, wow. I've said it. (laughs) I mean, I totally respect your opinion if you disagree with me. Oh, I'm Uh, not saying you're wrong. You honestly could probably be right, but but isn't it like Thanos? It's inevitable. My thoughts on Deadpool is the the MCU has to maintain uh, at least a boundaries of a tone. Now... That said, you will never hear me say that all Marvel movies are the exact same from a story and tonal perspective. That is not at all the case. Like, Captain America Winter Soldier is completely different than Thor Ragnarok, like in almost every way. And even in the more comedic movies, like Thor Ragnarok is very different than the Guardians of the Galaxy films. It's just like there's so much breathing room for the MCU films that saying they're tonally the exact same, that is just straight out incorrect. But that said, they have to at least kind of maintain certain boundaries when it comes to their story and their, their stories and their tone. So... Why it makes sense why, uh, like, a jokey, silly, improv comedy like Thor Ragnarok can still work with something very dark and serious and grounded like Captain America Winter Soldier. But when you introduce a character like Deadpool, who is over the top to a Deadpool degree, <laughs> when, you, when he's breaking the fourth wall, I just think that a character like that works best by himself as he has been up until this point. Now, I would love to see the Deadpool franchise continued. I'd love to see Deadpool 3, and I'd love to see uh, them continue that 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 franchise on uh, that way, but I don't think he works in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As much as it does pain me to say that, and it does, I don't want to, to that to be... I, I would love for them to find a way to make Deadpool, but it'd be at the cost of... Deadpool as a character, Deadpool's story, or just making his entire role in the MCU just just messing up the continuity of the tone and the story. And it just... I don't think Deadpool makes sense, would ever make sense in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's why I don't think he should be in it. Well, I got some bad news for you. I saw a rumor. And of course, you should never trust rumors. I mean... Because rumors can be bad. I mean, of course, they are sometimes true. Like, uh, 
you know how Iron Man 3 ended with Iron Man flying to space and meeting the Guardians of the Galaxy? By the way, I've seen a rumor that there's going to be Deadpool in the end cred scene of, of Black Widow, so that might be... Really? Yeah, well, and, and, and there's my thought on that. Like, by the tone of what... By the, the, like the trailers and all the stuff that's come out about um, uh, the Black Widow film... It's going to continue the tone of the Captain America films, which is much more grounded, more serious. And I don't think Deadpool works in that context without completely changing Deadpool as a character. And at least how we've known him up to this point. Honestly, I'd be fine if they make him less breaking the fourth wall, less like self-aware humor that he's known for. And just making Deadpool, like kind of making him a different character. Like, making a soft reboot of him, I'm, I'm good with that. I just think that they'd have to really stretch Deadpool's character and change him up to make him make sense in the thing of the MCU. Now, again, spoilers if um, for those if for a movie that hasn't even come out yet. The rumor I've heard about the post credit scene of Black Widow is it's going to be setting up the Thunderbolts. Um, Ooh, I like that right. better, and that fits more. Right, but Deadpool is also a member of the Thunderbolts on occasion. Ah, crap, so that's you're pr- right. That's probably where that rumor came from. I don't know if it's true, but I, 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 I love Deadpool, and I think he should continue to be his own thing, but I don't think that he works in the MCU. And I'd love to see, like, honestly, here's how I think Deadpool 3 should go. It, it opens up, and uh, graphic graphic content coming, your, <laughs> coming, viewer discretion advised, but... He's like, I love to see the this idea of, like, the film opens up and he's like, hello, ladies. And it's just his face. And he's like, hello, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of you were worried, uh, have a lot of questions about where I've been the last few years. Would I be in the MCU? Would I be completely changed as a character? But I'm going to let you know, they don't want me. They don't fucking want me. So, or, or whatever. It's just like, but now I'm owned by Disney. Which mean, but you might be afraid that you're gonna, you're gonna change. But I'm not, I'm not changing at all. And as he's talking, the camera's panning back, and you can see he's like, he's moving, like his arm is moving. And as it, as it pans back enough, you see he's holding a, like a stuffed animal, uh, like Olaf or a Disney character, like <laughs> Olaf the Snowman from Frozen, and he's beaten off on camera he's like i'm not holding back i know i know i told you viewer discretion advised but like it's just he's just like look i'm still rated r i'm still crazy i'm still doing my thing and i'm separate from the mcu and then from then it goes on to a montage of him take killing people taking these mercenary jobs but he's using the time machine that he got from cable in at the end of deadpool 2 uh, that was the, the, the mid credit scene for Deadpool 2. But it's a montage of him killing people, and he's using that uh, time travel device. But it's more than that. He's like just, he'll be hanging out around the house, he'll be sitting on the sofa, and his soda or beer will be on the opposite side of the couch. He'll teleport there, and he'll take a sip of it, put it back down, teleport back to the other side of the couch. And he's just using it for... Or, Maybe he has to go to the bathroom and he use it to teleport into, uh, into a bath. I don't know. He just he's using it as a teleporter, and he's using it to like, in such stupid, 
comedic ways. And then it's just a montage of that. And then cut to uh, Domino and Cable walk into his apartment like, Wade, where the hell are you? We've been calling you. We have a job. And Deadpool's like, oh, wait, yeah, you, oh, shit, sorry, I didn't see your phone, I didn't see your voicemails. Here, let me go put some pants on. And he teleports back to his room to get changed, and Cable is like, what the hell is that? Is that my teleport, is that my time travel device? And he's like, yeah, uh, uh, no, 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 it's not. And Deadpool, and he's like, how often have you been using that thing? He's like, look, I'm going to be real with you. I've been using it all day, every day, since Deadpool 2 came out in 2018. <laughs> And he's like, and Cable's going to be like, you idiot. That thing completely messes with the fabric of time and space and reality. You wonder, and he's like, and then just then the fabric of reality cracks open. So basically Deadpool got them into this multiverse situation. Basically it's Deadpool versus Deadpool. That's the, that's the plot of Deadpool three. The multiverse is open and there is another Deadpool, an evil Deadpool in an alternate reality who has been uh, killing other Deadpools, recruiting an army of Deadpools, and it's, it's Deadpool versus Deadpool in the film. And that's the entire conflict. And the entire time he's whining and crying about how uh, the MCU doesn't want him and all that. And then it ends with the good Deadpool killing the evil Deadpool and uh, all the Deadpools are dead except for one who doesn't break the fourth wall, who doesn't, who's not as crazy. He's just, he's a Deadpool that would fit well into a PG-13 MCU. And he's the only one left. As reality is cracked, is being destroyed around him, a portal opens up, and Doctor Strange reaches out, grabs him, pulls him back to his, the MCU and says, Are you okay? I got, good, I got you in time. And Deadpool's like, <sighs> and it's this new Deadpool living in the memory of the old Deadpool whose number one wish was to be in the MCU, and here he is. And the toned-down PG-13 Deadpool who kind of works. I don't know, that's, that's a really, I haven't thought about that one as much as I have thought about the X-Men, but that's at least a start, you know? So, I don't yeah, know, I'd like that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I do think that if if they really want to continue see Deadpool right, they should continue the Deadpool series by itself, as is, as its own separate thing. But if they really want to introduce him into the MCU, they'd have to find something like that. They have to make him work tonally. They have to for, for ratings, uh, PG thirteen versus rated R. They have to find a way to really stretch it to make it work. I don't know. My initial reaction is I don't want Deadpool in the MCU because they'd have to. That would either fuck with the MCU or it would fuck with Deadpool, and I don't want either of those things happening. So I think it might just be best if Deadpool's left on his own. But if they introduce him, that's how I think they should do it. Uh, I just have one more thing to say on regards to introducing Fantastic Four, Deadpool, and X Men into the MCU. And that is make Namor the villain of Black Panther 2. That would be awesome, Marvel. Yep. But I think that's a good place to stop. Riley, where can they find you? They can find me on YouTube at Riley Thorpe. And they can find me on Instagram and TikTok as Riley James Thorpe. All one word. Also, check out the first mag train out of Cleveland and other short stories. Available now on Amazon. Amazon. 
It's a collection of sci-fi short stories I wrote. The ebook's only a few bucks. Go buy it. We'll be back next week, assuming we don't get kicked out of the universe for being too R-rated for the MCU and not being the tone. Uh, Next week, we'll be talking about uh, the 1989 Batman movie directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Can't wait. As always, I'm Casey Jarms. And I'm Riley Thorpe. And hey, it's just a movie. Don't lose your head about it. Especially not to a lot of people.